You are listening to the Christian Bookworm Podcast, and I am your host, Sarah. I show up every week to talk to you about all things bookish and to recommend one fiction, one nonfiction, and one children's book selection written by and for Christians. Let's dive in. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode two. And I have to start out by saying thank you from the bottom of my heart because episode one was a big success and I owe it all to God and each one of you. You guys are amazing. Y'all are the absolute best podcast listeners ever and it just it blows me away. I appreciate all of you for listening, for sharing with your family and friends. I appreciate all the sweet messages and comments and emails, all the nice feedback you guys are so supportive and so encouraging, and uh, it just makes me so excited. I was already excited for this show, but of course a little nervous, and now I'm just excited. I'm so happy to be taking this adventure with all of you, and it turns out I've brought all the very best people along with me. So again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I also want to let you know that I will not be editing this show. Last week's editing was kind of a disaster for me on top of it not being my strong suit. It uh, also is way too time consuming for where I'm at at this stage in my life. So as much as I would love to have a perfectly polished episode every time, um, I'm just not going to be doing it. It was actually kind of a God thing, I think. That was the most stressful part of the whole experience. And I get on these phases during my workouts. I'll go through a stage where I'm listening to audiobooks. Then I'll go through a stage where I'm listening to podcasts. And basically, I listened to two great audiobooks in a row and then just couldn't find one that was holding my attention. So I've been in a podcast stage this week. And three of the five podcasts I listened to in my workouts, the podcasters hosts said that they don't edit their shows. And I thought, well, these are bigger shows than mine. So if they can get away with it, I can get away with it. And maybe that's the opposite. Maybe it's because they're so big they can get away with it. But we're just going to roll with it either way. And uh, we'll see how that goes. And lastly, before we get started, I do want to remind you that you can find the links to every book I mention, everything I talk about in the show notes. Show notes page is really long, so I always recommend that you bookmark it, save it to your favorites, so you don't have to type it in again and again. It's www.authorskbell.com slash p slash show notes dot html. I think we have a pretty fun show today. I'm going to talk to you about book awards and fiction that addresses PTSD, a nonfiction all about personality frameworks, and a picture book that helps you understand God through the lens of the fruits of the Spirit. It's going to be a good one. Okay, let's talk about book awards. So I have been an avid reader for as long as I can remember, um, as soon as I could read. And even before that, I loved being read to. So even though books have always been an important part of my life, and I have, of course, always loved reading good books, following book awards is kind of a newish thing for me. It's really only been in the last five or so years that I have really chosen to pay attention. So I hope that you already follow some book awards, but if you don't, I really want to recommend it. This is 
especially important, I think, if you are new to Christian books and you're kind of having trouble finding books that really speak to you, I think this is a great way to kind of just jump right into the best of the best. Um, It doesn't mean that there aren't better books out there, even better books that haven't won an award, but of the books published in a certain year, these books are considered to be praiseworthy and excellent. They are well-written and engaging and powerful, and they just speak to readers and therefore have been chosen to be distinguished above the rest. There are three main awards that I really follow closely, and then there are quite a few awards that always kind of get my attention but aren't really on my list that I closely follow. So the first one I follow is actually a secular award for children's books. It's the Newberry. Hopefully you have heard of this if you have kids in your life, but if not, I really want to encourage you to check out that list. It's a long one, but it's a good one. Um, All secular, like I said, but some of the ones that have won Newberries, for example, are Holes and The Giver, Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim, A Wrinkle in Time, A Cricket in Times Square. So popular, well-written, engaging books not always going to meet all of your standards. Um, I personally am very picky about the books that I want my kids to read, so I'm with you on that if that's you. But they're good. They're really good, and they're you can't deny that. So I still like to pre-read all of them my, myself first, and I definitely end up saying no to some of them, but I really like the Newberry. Um, then the other two I follow are both for Christian fiction, and that is the Christie which is awarded to Novels of Excellence, written from a Christian worldview, and the Carol Award, which is for the best Christian fiction published in the previous calendar year. Um, I've actually blogged about both of these, and both of these posts are pretty outdated. They're probably two or three years old. I'm not totally sure. So they're not going to talk about the most recent um, books on those lists, but they're still somewhat helpful, I think. So I will link to those in the show notes. Of course, I haven't read every book on either of those lists. And there are a lot of books that I honestly would just never read because they just don't interest me. But of those that I have read, I want to admit that they've all been four or five star reads for me. They really are well-written, engaging, good reads. So again, if you're not already following some book awards, I definitely encourage you to check them out. You can just do a quick search online for your favorite genre and see what you can come up with. But I will say that the Christie and the Carol both have subcategories that'll help you find the Christian books in your favorite fiction genres. You can find the best historical fiction or the best general fiction or romance or suspense and there's usually other categories like sometimes there's YA, sometimes there's fantasy, um, but those first few main ones are almost always on those lists. I follow, well those are the ones I really follow, but when I hear about these other ones I get interested. So these would be the, of course the Pulitzer, even though I've never read one, I just, I always tell myself I'm going to, and I even have one of them on my shelf, but I I still haven't read it. I just, they always, like, they're, I know they're important books, and they, yeah, but I just don't read them. 
maybe someday. <laughs> I also am interested in the INSPI award, which I will probably at some point start following. It's like up and coming in my world. And uh, I love the illustrations um, in Caldecott award books. So these are the children's picture books. When I see a Caldecott medal on them, I know they're going to be really good illustrations. Um, in the past, I've also been excited to see the Christian Book Awards, the National Book Awards. And it may sound silly because they can be misleading, but every year I vote in and get really excited about the Goodreads Choice Awards. I hope you were already following Book Awards, but if you're not, definitely look these up. Our fiction pick this week is Life After by Katie Ganshurt. This is a 2017 Waterbrook publication. It was a Christie Award winner and an INSPI Award nominee in 2018. And it is a general fiction set in Chicago. We are following a young woman who is working through PTSD and survivor's guilt after being the sole survivor of a train explosion. And we are also following a widower and his children who are grappling with their own grief from the same explosion. And we see their lives collide and the way that plays out for everyone involved. I really felt like this book handled PTSD very well. It was real and realistic without being too raw or too heavy. We were very much aware of the pain and the struggle that came with Autumn trying to cope with life after the explosion. But we were also very much aware of an undercurrent of hope and inspiration that Katie Ganshurt really did an excellent job weaving through the entire story. The publisher copy written on Goodreads calls this book or, I'm sorry, says this book has stirring prose and authentic characters. And I completely agree on both counts. The characters are authentic. They are real and they are messy. They are flawed, but you can't help but root for them anyways. And the stirring prose is such a perfect way to describe the way Katie Ham uh, Ganshurt wrote this book. And also to describe the kind of writing I like to read. If you like relationship struggles and personal growth and personal healing. And if you like witnessing the way a person's faith gets them through a situation that might otherwise feel a lot more hopeless, this is definitely one that you might want to check out. Again, this is Life After by Katie Ganshurt. Our nonfiction pick this week is one that I'm really passionate about because I am very passionate about the subject of personality frameworks. This is Reading People by Ann Bogle. This is a 2017 Baker Books publication, and it is one of my favorites. If you have been following me online for a long time, you might remember me talking about this one when I first read it because it was life-changing. Maybe every book I talk about on this show will be life-changing. Hopefully it will be for at least one person. Um, if the name Ann Bogle sounds familiar, it's because she is also the popular book and lifestyle blogger Modern Mrs. Darcy, and she is the host of the What Should I Read Next podcast. So I really love personality frameworks, and I've read a lot of books on the subject, but this is one of my favorites for a good reason. Normally, I will read 
a 300-page book on the Enneagram or a 280-page book on Myers-Briggs. But this book gives a really brief description into several different personality frameworks. And I really like that because if you're just dipping your toe in, it's really helpful to let you gauge which one feels like it's going to best help you meet your goals. So for me, I tend to have two main goals I focus on when I'm using personality frameworks. The first is personal growth. I believe that we were all created on purpose, for a purpose, and that since we were created in God's image, we were created with really great or possibly even limitless potential. But then there was the fall. And now we have all these little things in the world that prevent us from achieving the potential that we were created to be able to achieve. So personality frameworks help me to do the personal growth work that gets me a lot closer to maximizing my potential. Um, I recognize my strengths and my assets and learn how to utilize them to make a difference in the world and to pursue my calling and my mission in life. And I also learn to recognize my strengths, I'm sorry, my weaknesses and my blind spots and my more unhealthy patterns. I learn to recognize the things that hold me back, the things that cause me to hurt others, and how to I won't say completely eradicate those, of course, because I haven't become perfect, but I've gotten a lot better at working with those things over the years. I also really like using uh, that personal growth element to help me recognize when I'm hanging out in my comfort zone for too long. I think we need to hang out there sometimes because we need to rest if we're going to run our race well. But uh, if I hang out there too long, then nothing gets done. So I need to be able to grow and stretch and challenge myself again so that I can get closer to maximizing my potential. But I also am a very relationship-oriented person. And personality frameworks help me to better my relationships. I always say that they help me to love better. And I really do mean that. They help me to love my people better. And we are called to love and to love well. Reminder, right? The greatest of these is love. I feel like that personal growth element helps the relationship element pretty naturally. In the sense that when I am a better version of myself, I'm a lot easier to get along with. I am less likely to inadvertently hurt the people I care about and come in contact with on a frequent basis. And I'm just, in general, more pleasant and more aware but I also think it's really helpful to understand my own personal communication styles, my own fears and motivations, and to see how those play or don't play well with other people's communication styles and fears and motivations. There have been so many changes in my relationships since I discovered personality frameworks, and as more and more of my friends and family have hopped on board, I have seen so many of my relationships improve in really dramatic ways. My husband also uses uh, personality frameworks for the same reasons, but he also uses it uh, in, a, in the workplace setting. 
Um, he's in a leadership role. He has people working with, he, he's working with and, uh, or he has people working with and under him. Sorry, this is one of the pitfalls of not editing. Um, and he's able to utilize these personality frameworks to understand the best ways to give directions to person A versus person B. Um, the best way to maybe, I don't want to say reprimand, but, you know, correct a person. This person is, you know, corrected better in this way where this person needs this. Um, and he finds it to be just generally fascinating as well in recognizing what his um, customers and the people he works with um, need from him and are able to give to the company all kinds of goodies. Um, we talk about personality frameworks on a daily basis. It's a very natural, organic part of our conversation and has completely woven itself into the fabric of our lives to the point that my little boy recently wrote a story for homeschool where at the end of the day, Superhero went home and discovered his Enneagram type. Um, so if you find any of this interesting at all or think you might like to take the plunge for any of these goals or any other, I definitely want to recommend this book first and foremost, Reading People by Ann Bogle. And after you spend some time learning about these different frameworks and figuring out which one helps you to meet your goal better, then you can check out the recommended reading in the back. You can just do a quick Google search and find videos and podcasts and articles and other books along that personality frameworks lines. Or you can always reach out to me because I love this stuff a little too much and I am so happy to help. If you are curious about some of my framework labels, I am all too happy to share those. I am an introvert. I am an HSP, a highly sensitive person. My Myers-Briggs type is INFJ. I'm an Enneagram 9 Wing 1. My Hogwarts house is Hufflepuff. I'm a DISCS. In colors, I am yellow. And my love languages is either quality time or words of affirmation. I still get stuck because I feel like they're pretty much neck and neck. But I, most of the time these days, think I'm quality time. Our children's book selection this week is a picture book I love so much called Maybe God is Like That Too. This is by Jennifer Grant with illustrations by Benjamin Shipper. And this is a 2017 publication by Spark House Family. This picture book uses the fruits of the Spirit to illustrate God for children. And I really love that. I feel like this book works really well for kids maybe three or four and up. Um, the younger end of the spectrum probably won't quite grasp the profundity of the message, but as the children get older, they will start to really appreciate this one and where it's coming from. I just wanted to um, share a couple quotes directly from the book to help paint the picture of how well done this is. So our narrator is a little boy who lives with his grandma in the city. And he is wondering what God is like. So grandma explains the fruits of the Spirit. And then we see each of the fruits of the Spirit used to illustrate God. So for example, on the page about love, he says, 
At school, Grandma hands me my lunch and hugs me close before she says goodbye. That's what love looks like to me. Maybe God is like that, too. Um, each of the fruits of this spirit has its own little blurb that ends with that phrase, maybe God is like that, too. And then I just want to read the last page so you can see how it all comes together. I don't see God the way I see my friends or the streetlights or the river, but I see signs of God's spirit all around me, right here in the city. I know what God is like. Maybe I can be like that, too. That's our show for today, bookworms. Thank you for being here and thank you for listening. I had fun and I hope that you did too. Friendly reminder, you can always find the links to any of the books we talked about or anything else we talked about on the show on our show notes page, www.authorskbell.com slash p slash show notes dot html. You can connect with me there on my website at authorskbell.com. You can also find me on facebook.com slash authorskbell and on Instagram and Twitter as authorskbell. I would love to hear from you. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, anything at all that you would like to hear talked about on the show, I would love to hear it. So you can let me know there or you can email me at skbell36 at gmail.com. Bookworms, I pray for you every week, almost every day. I've been praying for you since before this podcast actually got started, and I am continuing to pray for you. And I pray this week that you will see God in the little details, just like the little boy in our children's book selection this week. Because he is there. He is always there with us, no matter what we've done, no matter what demons we're facing, no matter what our bad habits or our addictions are, no matter where we are in life, even when it feels dark, even when it feels heavy, and even when we feel completely alone, we are never alone. He is always with us, and He loves us, and He will never leave or forsake us. And I hope you feel that this week. I hope it's a great week, and I hope it's a great day, and I hope at some point that involves you curling up with a good book. Have a good one.